My name is Pastor Matt, and I'm the pastor here at Destiny Church. And at Destiny Church, we love God's Word. Amen? Amen. And we believe that the Bible is God's Word to us, and so we're going to spend a, a few moments today digging into God's Word. We've been going through the book of Acts together uh, as a church. We started this process, I think, in February, and uh, we're going to continue uh, on this journey until we get to the end of the book of Acts. But today we're in Acts chapter 16, and so I'd invite you to open with me in your Bibles there. And today is going to be a practical message. I've got several points I want to share with you. It's not going to be so theological. It is going to be very practical. And so if you have something to write with, I'd encourage you to pull that out, take some notes today. I think it'll be helpful for you. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on some of the points, but we're going to move through some of them quickly today. But nevertheless, I believe that they will be a blessing to you in your life. If you don't have something to write with, of course, you can pull out that little idol in your pocket. I mean that phone in your pocket, and you can punch in uh, some texts in there as well. So I want to start today by reading uh, from Proverbs 16 and Proverbs 19. And the message today is a message on being led by the Holy Spirit and overcoming discouragement. I really want to talk to you on these two different subjects, being led by the Spirit of God. How many of you know that we as God's people must be led by the Spirit? Especially in the day and age in which we live. We need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. What's the alternative to following the, the Holy Spirit? Well, the alternative one is following our flesh, what we think is best. Alternative two is following the devil. Or, and, and so, like, those are your three options. Follow God, your own self, or Satan. So take your pick. I'm going to go with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk about the ways the Holy Spirit leads us, how we can know if we're following him or the devil or our flesh. And I, I think it's going to be helpful for you. And then secondly, towards the end today, I, I want to just share some, some points with you on helping you overcome discouragement in your life. I know in 2020, is, it's not the year we were all expecting. And when, we, when things don't go the way we expected, sometimes discouragement can get into our hearts. And so I, from this passage today in Acts chapter 16... I do want to share on this. Now, Acts 16, verse 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many plans are in a man's heart, but the purpose of the Lord will prevail. This is good news for us, amen? It is very good news that God's plans are the plans that will prevail. That's why you're here this morning, because the purpose of God has prevailed in your life. You, you would not be here today in church worshiping God unless his plan and purpose had prevailed in your life, because your plan and purpose would not have brought you to this place. Amen? So it is a good thing for us that God's purpose prevails. Even though we have our own desires, our own plans, sometimes even our plans take us outside of God's plan for our life. Have you discovered that to be true? Amen. 
the Lord in His grace has a way of bringing His people back to where He would have them be. And so as, I wanted to lay that as a foundation as we move into Acts chapter 16. Where, where we see, where we're going to pick up the story in verse 6, is Paul is on a missionary journey. He's been called by God to preach the gospel to Gentiles. The gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ, that Jesus came, the Son of God, as a human being, born in the flesh, lived a life without sin. Can you imagine that? Never lied, never cheated, never stole, never looked upon anyone with lust in his heart, never once broke any one of God's law, but he completely kept God's law perfectly. He went to the cross offering up his life of perfection as a sacrifice for sin so that all who would put their faith in him could receive his righteousness upon them. He, on the cross, exchanged his life of victory for our life of defeat, his life of sinless perfection for our life of sin and shame. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, defeating once and for all Satan and death, and hell, and the wrath of God. And he rose victorious over all things. And now any who would put their faith in Christ share in his salvation, share in his victory, have their sins washed clean, so that the Scripture declares about us that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. That's good news. And that is the message that God had called Paul to go and to preach. And so he's setting off on a missionary journey. This is actually his second missionary journey. And his desire was to go and to visit the churches that he had started on his first missionary journey as he had gone and preached the gospel to them. And as we saw last week, he had completed this task of of visiting the churches that he started. He encouraged them in the word of God. He strengthened them uh, with with, uh, his love and care for them. But now he feels compelled by God to go and to preach to people who have not heard. And so that's where we pick up the story today. And it says, and they, and that's Paul and Silas and Timothy, these three men who were on this trip. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. This was the place that they had planted the churches originally. But it says that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And so Paul had this desire to go into Asia to preach the gospel there, but the Holy Spirit stopped them, closed the door, forbid him from doing so. Verse 7 says, And when they had come to Messiah, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So what we have here is that they, they try to go north, and the Holy Spirit restricts them and tells them, no, they can't. Well, they came from the, let's see, get my, they came from the east, they're heading west. So they, they try to go north, they can't go north. Then they try to go south into this other region. The Spirit of Jesus uh, forbids them. So where the, can they go? They they. They came from this direction, they're trying to go here, they can't go there, so they just keep moving forward. So verse 8 says, So passing by Messiah, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, 
urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word is a treasure to us. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It it shows us where to go. It, It helps us how to live our lives. Lord, your word is living and active. It's not dead words on the page, but but it is God-breathed, and and as we come to your word, our expectation is that you would speak to our hearts today. Every time we open your word, we want to hear from you. So, Lord, speak to us today. Help us. Help us to live the life that you've called us to live. Help us to live a life led by your spirit, and help us to, to overcome discouragement, disappointment that we all face in life, even as Paul faced these closed doors, even though he had a desire in his heart that was good, he faced this disappointment. Help us, Lord, to to not be overcome with evil and disappointment, but to overcome evil with good, to press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, to which you have called us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I have, um, really I have two messages for you today. The first is how to live a life led by God's Spirit. The second is how to overcome discouragement. And before I get to the first message, I just have a little factoid for all you Bible nerds out there. Any Bible nerds out there? All right, all two of you. I've got a little factoid for you. If you look at verse 8, it says, So passing by Messiah, what's the first word after Messiah? They. They went down to Troas. Now, if after the vision in verse 9, in verse 10, it says, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately, what's the word after immediately? We sought to go on to Macedonia. Now, what's the difference here? Well, one is they and one is we. And you say, well, what's the big deal here? Well, the big deal is that this is the point in the book of Acts where the author of the book of Acts joins Paul's missionary journeys. The author of the book of Acts is Luke. He's also the author of the Gospel of Luke. It's in this place where Paul finds Luke, meets Luke, and Luke, a medical doctor, joins with Paul and Silas and Timothy. He becomes the fourth person on this expedition to take the Gospel into these regions. I just wanted to point that out for you because from this point forward, it's we and us but from this point on previously, Paul, uh, Luke had been writing as someone who was retelling somebody else's story, an eyewitness account. Now Luke writes telling his own story. Verse 11, it says that we made a direct voyage. Verse 12, it says we remained in this city some days. So this is where Luke now joins the Apostle Paul. I thought you might find that interesting, all two of you. Okay. How do we live a life led by the Spirit? 
It's so important that we do. Here we see that this is how Paul is being led. He tries to go north, and the Spirit prevents him. He tries to go south, no, the Spirit prevents him. He's being led by the Holy Spirit. But what I want you to know and, and to understand, and you need to get this, you need to understand this. Being led by the Spirit is not just for apostles. Being led by the Spirit is not just for people who are in professional, quote-unquote, ministry. Being led by the Spirit is not just for missionaries or for evangelists or for pastors. Being led by the Spirit is for every believer, every Christian. The, the expectation is that all Christians are led by the Spirit of God. And so all Christians should seek the leading of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You should seek to be led by the Spirit of God in your everyday life. Every day to seek the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. To, to be led by the Holy Spirit is not a, a, an unusual thing. It's a normal thing for the people of God. A normal thing. Romans 8.15 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. How many of you are children of God? Amen. It's, it's the expectation that you are being led by the Spirit of God. Galatians 5.18 says, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, th this is the first thing that we need to understand is that we should in our lives seek to be led by the Holy Spirit. Not to be led by our flesh, with our own desires, but to be led by the Spirit of God. And even as we look at the life of the Lord Jesus, we see him put this example in front of us as he continually was led by the Spirit of God, as he continually submitted his will to the Father's will. His, in his humanity, his flesh, Jesus, he did not want to go to the cross in his flesh. But he humbled himself and became obedient to the Father's will. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And for all of us, this is the example that the Lord Jesus gives to us. That we would not be led by our flesh, just our, our base desires. And our flesh, as we know, just wants to be comfortable. Just wants what is easy. Just wants a life of, of comfort and no conflict. But sometimes in this life, the Spirit of God will lead us into to difficult places. Will, will lead us uh, in, into places where we're, we're fighting against the enemy. That's not easy work. But it's something that we're called to be as salt and lights in the world. And so we should seek as Christians the leading of the Holy Spirit. The second point today is that the Spirit's direction is often not our direction. So which way do we want to go and which way do we desire? It's usually not the same direction and leading that the Holy Spirit has for us. You know, oftentimes I just want to crawl up in a ball and cry on the floor, but that's not what the Holy Spirit has for me. Amen. Oftentimes I want to go to the freezer and eat a whole pint of ice cream, but that's not what the Holy Spirit has for me. Amen. 
that what I want in my flesh is, is usually not what the Holy Spirit and what God has for me. You need to understand that. You need to recognize the, the leading of the flesh and the leading of the Spirit. Well, how do we see this playing out in this passage? Well, Paul wants to go north into Asia. The Holy Spirit forbids them. Paul wants to go south, down, down into Bithynia. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, does not allow them. You see, it's not God's plan for them to go into this region. Now, is it a good thing that they would go there? I mean, isn't it a good thing to go and preach the gospel to people who haven't heard the gospel before? Isn't that a good thing? Yes, it is. It's a great thing. But at the same time, we must be led by the Spirit of God. We must be led by the Spirit of God. It is a good thing, no doubt, but the Holy Spirit told him, no, a door is slammed in his face. It is a closed door. It's not God's will for this missionary trip. Going in that direction into Asia Minor was totally off course from the direction that God wanted Paul and his mission's companions to take. As we continue on, as we'll continue on in the successive weeks, reading about the, and studying the work that God did through this missionary team, we're going to read about several different places that they went on this journey as God directed them on this path. And, and many of these places, these names that I'm going to read to you, they'll sound familiar to you. They went first here, we see they go into Philippi. Next, they go into Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, Corinth, and Ephesus. Now, the reason most likely that if you have any familiarity with these names of these cities is not because you've traveled to the Middle East or to Europe, but because you recognize these names from books of the Bible. And the, the truth is that 10 books of our New Testament were written because of the trip that Paul made on this missionary journey. 10 books of our New Testament. The book of Philippians would not have been written if Paul did not make this missionary journey. The book of First and Second Thessalonians would not have been written if Paul hadn't gone this direction the book of First and Second Corinthians would not have been written if Paul hadn't gone to Corinth. Ephesians, Colossians, First and Second Timothy, Philemon, all of these books were written as letters back to the churches that he started on this missionary journey. And had he gone north into Asia Minor, or had he gone south down into Bithynia, he would have not visited these places, he would not have planted these churches, he would not have written these letters under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine a New Testament without these books in them? Imagine a New Testament without First and Second Corinthians, without Ephesians, without Philippians, without First and Second Thessalonians, without First and Second Timothy. Imagine this. Additionally, it's because of the closed door that Luke ends up joining them on their journey. It's not until the door is closed this way and the door is closed that way that they continue on in the direction that they are heading, and that's where Luke joins them on their missionary journey. 
it's very likely that if Luke had never joined up with Paul, that he would have never written the book of Acts, that he would have never written the Gospel of Luke. Imagine a New Testament without the Gospel of Luke. Imagine a New Testament without the book of Acts. You see, God had a specific plan for the Apostle Paul. Yes, there's a general plan to go and to preach the Gospel, a general calling, a general direction. But being led by the Spirit of God is is how do we walk out the general call on our lives? Because how I walk out the call of God to the Great Commission, the call of God to be a saint, how I walk that out in my life will be different from how you walk it out. Why? Because we don't come from the same place. We, we, We have different personalities. God created us uniquely and differently. We've shared different life experiences. We have different family backgrounds. We have different education. All of the different gifts and talents that we have, it leads the Spirit to use us in a unique and a specific way that somebody else can't do, will not do, will not fulfill. Only you can fulfill the specific plan of God and purpose of God for you. And so you must learn to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. What I want you to see here is that God is directing their steps. Can can we see that? Can we agree on that? Their steps are being directed by the Holy Spirit even as doors are slamming in their face. He wants to do this, and it's a good thing. And the door slams in his face. He wants to go to these people. They need the gospel. It is a good thing. The door slams in his face. I want you to know that God can work even through the disappointments you faced in life. God can work even through the closed doors that you've experienced in life. God can work even through the the, the relationships that have been uh, uh, fallen apart in your life as as we see that that this missionary journey didn't begin on a bed of roses, but it began with an argument between Paul and Barnabas, and they went their separate ways. God works through all of these things. And what Paul concludes is so powerful. After he sees the vision, it says that Paul concluded that God had called him to preach the gospel in this region. That Paul didn't become upset. Paul didn't have a pity party. Paul didn't say, woe is me. Nobody likes me. All of the doors are closing. And he just gives up and throws in the towel. No, he he concludes that even in the closed doors, even in the disappointment, you know what, it's okay because God is just leading me to where he wants me to go. God is just helping me get to the place where I will be fruitful for him and for his kingdom. And as we read and we continue, the, the, the incredible fruitfulness that comes from following the leading of the Holy Spirit is amazing. And that to this day, this missionary journey, I think, is the greatest missionary trip that has ever been taken. And that there are still ramifications that, that this this leading of the Holy Spirit that Paul followed is still echoing through time and space and even impacting our lives to this day. So the third question or the third point for us today is, how does God lead us by His Spirit? How does the Spirit lead? Okay, we, we should be being led by the Holy Spirit. That, we see that here. I understand that sometimes I want to do things that's different and contrary from what the Spirit would lead me to do. So 
How do I know? How do I discern the will of God? And I've got like 100 points for you uh, today. So number one, and if, if you only get one thing here today, I pray that it is, it is this. The Spirit leads us through the Word of God. This is by far and away the, the, the main way that the Spirit of God will lead us in our lives. The Word of God, the Bible, the Scriptures. God's Word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. And we have an advantage uh, that the early church did not have. As I look around this room today, what I see is many people on their laps, they have a copy of the Scriptures themselves. You have your own Bible. You have your own copy of the Scriptures. It's a great blessing that we have this. The early church did not have this. Many of us have the Bible on our phone. We can just pull up the Bible at any time, at any place, wherever we are. The early church did not have access to the Word of God in this way. To have a personal copy of the Scriptures is unheard of in their day and age. It would be unfathomable to have their own copy of the Scriptures. It would take a scribe upwards of two years to make a copy of the Old Testament. That's, that's paying someone two years' salary, a highly trained, educated professional, two years to make a copy of the Scriptures. They would have held the Word of God in such high esteem because it's, their access to it was so rare and limited. So where was the Scripture kept? Well, it was kept in the synagogues, the places where God's people would gather together as a community. And when they would come together, what would they do? Well, they would read the Scripture. They would study the Word of God. But when they left, it stayed in the building. It stayed in the synagogue. And it continued that way through the majority of church history. For the majority of church history, the place where the Scripture resided was chained to the pulpits in the church. That's where the Scripture was. You could not own a copy of the Word of God for yourself. It was too precious. It was too rare. And even as, as the Word of God became more easily accessible, it wasn't in the language of the common man. It was, it was, it was forbidden by, for, inexplicably forbidden by the church to be translated in, from Latin into the common language. In fact, William Tyndale, who, who first translated the English Bible, was burned at the stake for doing so. He paid the price with his life to, to translate the Bible into English. And because we have such ready, easy access to the Word of God, I would submit to you that we don't value it the way that we should. We don't value God's Word the way that we should. It does not have the place in our life that it deserves. Because when anything comes easily to us, we just sort of think that it's commonplace. Let me tell you, there's nothing commonplace about the Word of God. It is God's revelation of Himself to humanity. And it deserves a, a, place, a high place of, of authority in your life. We, at any point, at any time, we, we can 
pull a Bible off the shelf. We can open up an app. I've got more Bibles in my office. I have a Bible that I keep here in the pulpit just so that there's an open Bible here when there's nobody else in here. That's how, how blessed we are with the Word of God. It's, but, but the blessing has turned to a place where we have been spoiled. Our blessing, because we don't value it the way that we should, is, is spoiled in our lives. We have an advantage that the early Christians did not have. We have an advantage that up until the invention of the printing press in the 1500s, that people did not have a personal copy of the Word of God. But the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is also required. Amen. So we must value the Word of God. But it is through the Word of... That was like a third sermon. That was just way off track. But God's will, the leading of the Holy Spirit, is in the Word of God. God's will is revealed to us in the Word of God. If I want to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit... I need to know God's Word. I need to study God's Word. I need to know what it says about how to live my life. Because God's Spirit will never, ever, 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 never, ever, never, 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 ever, ever, never, never, ever, never, never lead me or anyone to do something that His Word forbids. God's Spirit will not lead us contrary to God's Word ever, ever. God is not forgetful. He didn't forget what he wrote in his book. God is not like us. He didn't forget what he told his wife 20 minutes ago. God is not like us. He didn't forget what he sent in an email two weeks ago. God is perfect. God knows all things. God has spoken and his word does not change. Why? Because God does not change. And so this word, not only is it deserving of a place of honor and respect in our lives, but it it's, it's also should deserve a place of authority in our lives. Because it is the word of God. It is God-breathed. It is God-inspired. It's not the words of man. It is the word of God. Though God used human authors to bring it into existence, He used imperfect men to produce a perfect book by His Spirit. Because it's the Word of God, it is authoritative. Because there's no authority above God. There's no authority above God. God's Word is authoritative in everyone's life. Now, there are those who don't acknowledge the authority of God's Word, the world, obviously. Unfortunately, there are many Christians who don't acknowledge the authority of God's Word in their life. That is to their peril and detriment. God's Word is supreme above all words, above all authority. Why? Because God is supreme above all. So what I want to do, I must submit to the Word of God. Because God's Word is supreme. God reigns over me. What our state decrees or our government decrees is under the Word of God. God's Word reigns supreme over that. What Congress would decree or the President would decree or the uh, 
Supreme Court would decree. There really is only one Supreme Court. It is the Word of God. The Word of God reigns supreme over all peoples, over all times, over all places, over all cultures, over all languages, over all nations, over all people, over all leaders, period. Amen. So if I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God, I need to know the Word of God. This is one of the great tests, because God's Spirit will never lead me contrary to His Word. There's a bumper sticker. It's a three-sentence bumper sticker. It says, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Amen? Now, that, that statement is one sentence too long. You can take the middle one out. Because it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It is still settled. God said it. That settles it. Period. Now, you should believe it. You will be blessed if you do. But whether you believe it or not, the issue is settled because God has said it. Amen. The second way that God's... I'm never going to make it through today. Um, the sec, I made it through in the first service, but... I was less inspired or something. Um, the second way that God speaks to us is through, I'm going to start going quicker. The second way is through pastors and elders, spiritual leadership in our lives that God has placed in our lives who can help us discern the will of God by teaching us the word of God. Pastors and leaders who they themselves are submitted to the word of God and view it as supreme in their life whether it's comfortable or not, whether it's convenient or not, whether it costs friends and relationships or not, people who are committed to the word, the truth of God. If you come to me and you ask for guidance or for counsel, I'm going to say I will pray with you and I will help you search out the, word of, the will of God in the word of God. This is, this is how we are led by the Spirit. The third way is through the internal promptings of the Holy Spirit. These, these little nudges that the Holy Spirit gives us, and, and we feel those promptings, and we feel those leadings. I would include the vision that Paul saw of the man in Macedonia under this category, these internal leading of the Holy Spirit. Well, how can I know if that's the Spirit of God leading me, or how can I know if that's just my wild imagination? Well, see number two, and see number one. We, we go up the, the chain of, of authority, so to speak. And I want you to know, again, that God, through his internal promptings, will never lead you contrary to his word. You should never say this sentence. I know God's word says this, but. I know that his word teaches this, but. You don't ever want to say that. You've just put yourself in a really bad place. You're heading in the wrong direction. Now, there can be times where it says, I know God's word says this, but I don't understand it. Nevertheless, I will obey because it is God. You see, God is our father. And as a father, he is under no obligation whatsoever to explain himself to us, his children. 
Just as I, as a father, am, am under no obligation to explain myself to my children with the decisions that I make. Can I get an amen from the dads? Amen. It doesn't mean I don't love them. I, I just don't have to explain every single decision to them. Some of you, that's a revelation. You are not accountable to your children. <laughs> You're accountable to God. They are accountable to you. Moms, you need to hear this too. You don't have to explain yourself to the people that God's placed you in authority over. Now, there may be times along their maturity as you try to mature them that you need to explain some things to them. But there are some times where they just need to listen and obey. And there are some times where we as God's children, we just need to listen and obey. You might not understand it. You might read in God's Word and say, I know it says this, but I can't see why it would say this. Nevertheless, it's God's Word, and so I will obey it in faith. God will not lead you to violate His Word through the internal promptings. The fourth way is through circumstance. Circumstances in our life, closed doors, open doors, just the, the events of our life. God will direct our life through circumstance. And fifthly, is through the prophetic word. These are the words that God would lay on somebody else's heart to share with you. The prophetic word of God. Now, I have to say, I have this passage here in First Thessalonians, and I want to jump to that quickly. I don't have it on the screen, but I do want to read it to you. It says, do not despise prophecies. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything and hold fast to what is good. So we as God's people should not despise someone sharing with us a, a word that they feel from the Lord. We should not despise that. There have been many times in my life where people have shared uh, a word from, from God for me that God put on their heart. And they have been a great blessing to me and a treasure to me and have helped me immensely in my life. We should not despise that. But, he says, test it all. Test everything. What does that mean? What do we test it by? The word of God. So no prophetic word that anyone should, no prophetic word from God will ever be contrary to his word. Ever. Ever. I shared with the first service a prophetic word I had received that was contrary to the word of God. And... It didn't happen at this church. It happened many years ago. It didn't happen to, it didn't come from anyone that anybody in here knows. So don't be thinking, oh, I wonder who that was that shared that word with him. But, but here was the word. This, this person came up to me. They said, I have a word. God, God told me I have a word to give you. I said, oh, okay. Well, let me, let me call my friend over here, another pastor friend. I said, okay, great. I, I'd love to hear your word that God's given you. And he looked at me and he said, God told me to tell you, you are my favorite son. And I looked at my pastor friend, I said, sorry. Sorry, buddy. I'm God's favorite, not you. J jokingly, you know, jokingly. And he said, no, no, God told me to tell you that you're my favorite son. I said, you know, God had another son named Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I got to imagine... You know, the Lord Jesus is probably just like at least one notch up there. I mean, 
And he said, no, this is the, I said, listen, the Bible says God is not a respecter of persons. That God doesn't have favorites. So I appreciate you sharing that with me, but it doesn't align with the word of God. I'm not God's favorite son. Can you imagine if I had received that word from God? If I'd received that as God's word, my wife wouldn't be able to live with me if I had believed that. I'm God's favorite son. I'm his favorite. All of you other peons out there, God loves me the most. Like, what? What? So we need to be careful with prophetic words. We, we, need, to, we need to make sure that they align with the word of God because if they don't, they're not true. And if they're not true, then they're a lie. And lies keep us in bondage and lead us into deception and sin. And we don't want that. But at the same time, the scripture tells us, don't despise this. Because it can be a great blessing to you and your life. So how do we test the prophetic word? Well, does it align with what the Spirit is speaking to me? What do my pastors and elders think about this? And finally, above all, what does the Word of God say? Now, I want to shift here a little bit. That's how the Spirit leads us. And I believe that we can all be led by the Spirit of God in all of our interactions, everywhere we go, in all of our conversations. That being led by the Spirit should be the, the default desire of our heart. But I, I do want to share with you a little bit on overcoming discouragement today, because um, 2020 is quite the year. Amen? Um, how, how many of you, your 2020 is going exactly how you were hoping for? No, right? Really? You had some low expectations. Um, no, 2020 started out with a lot of fanfare, a, a new decade. All of the hope and the promise of a new year and a new decade. And every church that I watch online, they were doing a year of 2020 vision. And this is going to be the best year of your life. And you're going to reach new heights in God and accomplish more than you ever have before. It's going to be amazing. And then February came. And all of a sudden, what happened to all of that 2020 vision? Well, we're all stuck in our house watching church online for six months. It's not over yet, but 2020 hasn't gone the way we hoped it would. We had hopes, we had dreams. They're not going that way. And the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Lots of closed doors, lots of disappointment with this year. I want to tell you that it's not God's will for you to live life disappointed. It's not God's will for you to go through life dejected, downcast, depressed, suffering with discouragement. That's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is much greater than that. And so to, to follow the call of God and to follow the spirit of God, we need to learn how to overcome discouragement. And I'm, I'm bringing this to you because I have to assume, as I put myself in Paul's shoes, that him having these doors closed in his face must have been discouraging to him. I know it would be discouraging to me. Nevertheless, this man perseveres. He doesn't allow the closed doors, the, the rejection, the persecution, the broken relationships with Barnabas, the people that forsook him, the people that started teaching heresy that we read about, all of the problems, all of the turmoil, all of the 
the setbacks, nevertheless, he presses on. He doesn't allow discouragement to get into his soul. So how can we as God's people likewise overcome discouragement when we face closed doors and disappointing circumstances? Number one, I'm going to go through these quickly today. Number one, remind yourself of God's calling on your life. Remind yourself that you are called by God. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 Paul talks about all of the disappointments in the past, everything that was back there. But he says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul did not lose sight uh, that he was called by God. He was called by God. This will help you in seasons of discouragement. This will help you when there are closed doors. This will help you as, as you think uh, or, or as you experience things going not the way that you had hoped for them to go. Now, you might say, well, I'm not called to be a preacher. I'm not called to be in full-time ministry. I'm not called as a missionary like the Apostle Paul. Let me tell you, no matter what you are called to in life, all of us are called to minister. Whether we're called to full-time professional ministry or not, we are called to minister to people, to help people, to serve people, to love people, to share the gospel with people, to be light in the world, to be salt in the world. We're not all called to be in ministry, but we're all called as saints, sons and daughters of the Most High God, called by name, the Bible tells us, that God saw you, that He called you, that He saved you that he's sanctifying you, that he's adopted you into your, his family as one of his kids, that is a high calling in life. You're not like the world. We're not like the rest of the world. We're part of the family of God. It is a high calling. Yeah. Ephesians 4.1 says, walk worthy of the calling of God on your life. So maybe you're not a preacher, but you are a saint. Maybe you're not a missionary, but you are a son and daughter of God. You're a father, you're a mother, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're a teacher, you're an employee, you're an employer, you're, you're someone that works in, in the, the medical field, you're, you're in law enforcement. You, you, wherever you are, the Bible says to do it all to the glory of God. That everywhere we go, there are people who are hurting, there are people that are dying, there are people who don't have hope, and we have hope. We're called to minister wherever we are. There is a high calling of God on our lives. We need to remind ourselves of this when we face discouragement and disappointment. Listen, there's value in what you are called to do. You're valuable to the kingdom of God. You have something to do that nobody else can do. People to touch, people to love, people to serve, people to bless. that Nobody else can touch and love and serve and bless. God has uniquely placed you in their lives. We can't allow our disappointments and our discouragement to stop us from pressing on to see other people touched by the Spirit of God. Disappointment, discouragements, they happen, they come. And if we allow them to, to be the dominating force in our lives, it will stop us in our tracks. When the door is closed for Paul, he, he doesn't say, well, that's it. 
pack it up. I'm heading back to Antioch. I'm, my, my life is over. My ministry is over. No, he bounces off of the north. He hits the south. He, they can't go there. He bounces off of that. Well, I can't go back this way, so I'm going that way. He keeps moving forward. He doesn't allow the discouragement and the disappointments to get in him because he sees and he's pressing on to the call of God on his life. Listen, you can make a difference in people's lives. You can make a difference. You're called to make a difference. You're maybe not called to change the whole world. All right, I'll just put that out there. You're probably not going to change the whole world. That's just a reality. But you can change someone's world. You might not change the whole world, but you can touch someone's life. And that has value. That has meaning. That has purpose. Don't lose sight of that. Number two, we need to move towards God, not away from God in our times of disappointment. Don't unplug from God, from church, from your community. Don't unplug from worship and the word of God. When you're disappointed, that's when you need to lean into these things. I've seen so many people through the course of my Christian life because things didn't go the way they wanted, they were expecting this, they had this hope for this ministry or whatever, it didn't go their way. There was conflict in this relationship, conflict with this family, blah, 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 whatever. It produces disappointment in their life and they unplug. They isolate themselves, which Proverbs tells us is unwise. Listen, when you're in the middle of a disappointing circumstance, it's not time to unplug, it's time to plug in. It's time to get back into God, get back into church, get into a community group, turn off the gangster rap, turn on the worship, turn off the TV, open up the word. Hello? Hello? When you're discouraged, it's not time to just get on the internet and browse around and see what's out there. That's not the right way to do things. When you're discouraged, it's not just time to turn on the TV and just see what's going on. No. It's time to plug into the Word of God, not move away from God, but move towards God. Number three, we need to continue to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Continue to ask God to speak to us. Continue to ask God to give us direction. Okay, God, this didn't work out, but I know you've called me. I know you've got a plan for me. I know you want me to do something. I know there's a place for me in your kingdom. I know that this is disappointing for me, but I'm not going to stay there. I am going to go and I'm going to continue on. So God, continue to lead me by your spirit. And number four, don't give up. Don't give up. Just don't give up. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up. Don't give up. Persevere. We're called to persevere. Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. This is a promise. This is a promise. If you don't give up, there's a harvest. If you don't give up, there's fruitfulness. If you don't give up in the season of working and toiling and sowing, there is a season of reaping. There is a season of fruitfulness. Don't give up. I've seen so many people who were on the precipice. They were on the edge of, of moving into their breakthrough, moving into the new season, moving into fruitfulness in the ministry, and they got tired. They got discouraged. They said, what's the point? Nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. Nothing's going the way I want. They threw in the towel. And guess what happened? They didn't reap a harvest because they gave up. But you're not like that. 
You're not like that. You're not going to give up. You're going to persevere. As we continue on through Acts chapter 16, we're going to see incredible fruit come from the perseverance of this missionary team, even in the face of disappointment and closed doors, that this is a true scripture. There is a harvest if we don't give up. Finally, number five, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Remind yourself of those who were faithful before you. Remind yourselves of those who who went on before you, who left a godly example, a legacy of faithfulness for you. You see, all of us are here today because someone persevered. Someone shared the gospel with us. Someone gave us the track. Someone put the Bible in our hand. Someone put the Christian CD in our iPod or whatever. Someone shared the gospel. Someone showed us love. We're here today. You're here today because someone persevered. Because someone said, I see value in this person. I'm called to love. I'm called to shine. I'm called to be salt. Someone told us. That's why we're here. There's a legacy of faithfulness somewhere in the past. We need to remind ourselves of those who were faithful that came before us. But listen to this. There's also a group of people that are counting on us to be faithful. There's a group of people that are looking to our example of faithfulness. And the question is, what kind of legacy will we leave for those who are watching us? Will we be faithful? Will we be proven to persevere? Or will we throw in the towel? I believe that I'm speaking to a group of individuals here today that are, through the power of the Holy Spirit, are going to persevere in the midst of discouragement. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Thank you. Let's all stand. I told you I had two sermons for you today. You didn't believe me, but I did. We want to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. And We need to learn these tools to help us overcome discouragement. What do you do when you face closed doors? What do you do when things don't go your way? What do you do when the opportunity was given to somebody else and it feels like you were looked over and is God even watching? What do you do? We as God's people are called to persevere. And we need to understand that God works even in our disappointments, even in the hardship, even in the closed doors, even when we didn't think that it would go this way, God is still leading and directing our paths. I want to close by reading to you the two scriptures I opened with today. Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Many plans are right in a man's heart, but the purpose of the Lord will prevail. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you lead us and guide us by your spirit. Lord, we want to be people of your word who value your word. Lord, we want to be people that are submitted to the godly authority you've placed in our lives. But we want to be people that listen carefully to the inner promptings of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to be people that can look around and see the circumstances of our lives and and discern your will in the midst of that. Lord, we want to be people who, who don't despise the prophetic word, but who receive it after testing it by the word of God. Help us to be people who are led by your spirit not giving in to the desires of the flesh, not speaking or acting or living out of the flesh, but living by your spirit. 
you're leading, you're directing. The flesh only produces hurt and heartache and death and disappointment, but the spirit, your spirit produces health and holiness and righteousness and love and peace and joy. Help us, Lord, to be a people who are led by your spirit, filled with your spirit. And Lord, I thank you that you have not called us to live a life discouraged, downtrodden, defeated, but we in Christ are victorious. That he has risen from the dead. That we have been seated with him in heavenly places. Help us to remember that you have called us from heaven by name to serve you and to serve others in your name. Let us not become so inward focused based on the disappointments of the past, but let us know the truth that there is a harvest of souls, a harvest of ministry, a harvest of love that awaits us as we persevere in faith, trusting in you and in your word. Help us, God, to live the life you've called us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.